The world of marketing is ever-changing and can be confusing, frustrating, and outright exhausting. Welcome to Unbottled, the marketing podcast where experts share their experiences, stories, and best practices on online and internet marketing. Featuring Steve Wiedemann, former marketer for Disney, Skechers, and other well-known brands. Break through the hype with real marketing tips from industry leaders. This is Unbottleneck. Hello and welcome to another episode of Unbottleneck, the podcast where we solve common marketing problems, particularly those that happen on the internet. And today we're going to be disrupting our normal routine of talking about inbound marketing specifically and uh, an SEO. And we're going to get a little bit more into talking about your audiences and, um, you know, a term called disruptive, which is a bit of a buzzword in, in our industry at the moment. Our guest today is Saunders Schroeder. Uh, Saunders, the chief marketing officer at Disruptive Advertising. Uh, previously, he served as the chief product officer and VP of paid social. Uh, he works with many e-commerce and B2B companies. Um, you launched uh, the Facebook ad product at Disruptive and oversaw sales and marketing for enterprise SEO and content marketing agency. Um, Saunders, a legend in his own mind, <laughs> his mission is to grow uh, people and brands that he believes in. He has a beautiful wife and two kids. Well, I'm reading from his bio. I don't know if his wife's beautiful, so <laughs> I'm sure she's amazing. But I'm like, wait a minute, this is coming off really wrong. He's a uh, protector of sweet potato fries and performance station wagons. We're gonna have to agree to disagree on the the sweet potato. That's that's something I think I need to uh, learn the acquired taste for. Um, so Sander grows, uh, as I mentioned, people and brands he believes in. Um, extremely motivated by by growth and learning to surrender, embracing the now and enjoying the journey. Um, Sander, welcome to the show and thanks for um, for hanging out with us and, and talking about some of this this disruptive advertising. Can you can you give us a little bit more background on that and, and kind of how you got into it? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for the intro. My wife is beautiful, so I will I will say that. Um, I'm re reading a bio line. It always comes off weird. I'm like, oh, he's a beautiful wife. I'm like, hey, what, how do you know my wife's beautiful? What's going on here? I'm like, I don't know her. I swear to God. <laughs> I've never met her. <laughs> That's good. Um, yeah. I mean, I I got started in digital marketing in college when okay. I started my own e-commerce store and had to figure out how to sell products online. And you know, really, I think what was motivating for me then was how do I take beautiful girls on dates? And so I needed to make some money. So that's, yeah. you know, so it was good. It, you know, back then, um, I got a lot more into like influencer marketing on Instagram. You know, this was about 12 years ago. So it was pretty yeah. early um, in the Instagram days. And so that was great. Started dabbling in, you know, some Facebook ads you know, shortly after that, where it was pretty much what a boosted post looks like now um, and saw some good oh, results. I remember those, those low cost per acquisition uh, that <laughs> yeah. we get on, on Facebook. I remember Facebook ads before there was conversion tracking and it was still a top performer. Like when I oh, look yeah. at analytics, it was like, wow, we've got a dollar cost per uh, acquisition versus $7 on Google. So yeah. and then those days are coming to an end, right? Yeah, oh, unfortunately. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's still very effective still for a lot of businesses, one of the top performing channels, but yeah, yeah the early days were definitely great. So, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that, that's kind of what got me started in digital marketing. And, you know, I think 
it's been good for me as I've worked at other agencies, be, been a CMO at another e-commerce company, really just to have that business mindset and also, you know, that customer mindset as well um, to be able to test and try new channels. So I think, yeah, I'm, I, I love where I've been and I'm excited about, you know, where I'm going, but it's been a, been a great what journey is, so far. What, is that, um, what does that term mean for those, those people who've never really heard disruptive advertising before? And uh, it's perfect name to name your brand during a time where people are really starting to use that phrase a little bit more. What is, what does disruptive mean in, in digital marketing terms? Yeah. You know, I would say, I would say being disruptive is, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is not afraid to fail. And, and realizing anything you test and try is a learning and, you know, leads you hopefully to a positive result. I, I think one of my, one of my favorite sayings is on remember the Titans where he says, it's just like Novocaine, give it time. It always works. Yeah. And, and that's kind of how I feel like advertising is, is you're, you're just testing and trying new things and finding what works. But I think that consistency is usually what leads to it. And so you know, I think a lot of times when we think disruptive, it has to be, you know, these groundbreaking things that have never. That's what I was tried thinking, before. like draw, draw outside the lines a little bit. Yeah. And, and I think that's a big aspect of it, I think. But I really think it's just, you know, even if it's you're doing Facebook ads, what's like a, hmm. an ad you might never want to do because it, I don't know, you talk yourself out of X, Y, Z. And I think you know, there's room for talking yourself out, but I think there's also room to just try and see what happens and yeah. see how it resonates with your customer. And I think there's smart ways to do it by going to your top customers and say, Hey, we want to run this ad. We know it's a little, maybe gray area in our messaging or different than what we've done. Does it resonate with you? You know? So yeah. I think, I think there's smart ways to be disruptive as well. That's awesome. Well, we put some questions together um, based on a little bit of what we learned about you. And uh, the first one that we had actually relates to an article that you got published on Forbes called Trying to Promote Your Local Business, Three Easy Facebook Video Ad Ideas. We'd love to hear more about those. But first, can you tell us why on video ads on Facebook and why there's such a strong route for local businesses? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, we're... We're just seeing, you know, I think that the next wave of attention span, and I think video is just a great way to to capture a lot of information and convey a lot of information to pain points quickly, creatively, um, and just, you know, with the right hook, you can get people engaged and really educate them um, in one ad versus, you know, maybe it taking five or six to really educate. And I think that's you know, more important for businesses that are in a niche that isn't maybe as understood. Um, and so I just think video ads, you know, are just very effective. And now, you know, as we're moving more towards the six second type of attention span, it's becoming more and more important. And, you know, I think just more and more relevant. Yeah, I remember bumper ads weren't working as effectively as we wanted them to a few years back in Google. And now you're, you're definitely seeing a lot more of them. Uh, I think I think businesses are figuring out how to create a storyline so that when they do promote videos, that they're doing it in a sequence that tells a story so that by the time the, the user gets to the end of that story, um, they know the brand, they're engaged. Uh, I think one of the terms that, that I've heard in the past is advertorial, right? Hmm. So, right, it's, a, it's an ad, but it's a tutorial. Uh, at the same time, you're educating. 
you're showing um, how to do something or a value. I see a lot of those. I think some of the products I purchase, you know, for myself, for health, for working out, you know, are, are based on a video where someone's showing you how to do something and you yeah. think it's really interesting. I'd love to have that. And um, as opposed to it being buy this thing, it's it's more like, you know, this this is how this works and this is how you do this thing, you know, as opposed to it being buy our stuff. I think that the the message, the narrative, you know, is is different, especially in social where people aren't looking to be sold. They're looking for content, right? They're looking yeah. to consume content. And I think I think you're right. I think the videos um, have that different narrative, you know, embodied in, in them, you know, by being video and not just being a, a banner ad for sure. Yeah. I love that. I love that advertorial. That's a, that's a good, <laughs> good way to put it. Yeah. So how did you, how did you get pulled into this, uh, this Forbes article? Is that, is that something where they, they read something you'd already done and, or you just said, Hey, I'd love to write for you. How did that happen? Um, yeah, I was a contributor there, I think like four or five years ago. And then yeah. Yeah, I've just been contributing here, here or there. Um, yeah, just when I guess the opportunity comes up. So, yeah. How do you say no, right? Hey, will yeah. you write an article for us? Yeah, <laughs> when you need it. That that happened to me last year. The International Journal of Digital and Social Media Marketing reached oh, out cool. and they said, hey, could you do a, an article for our publication? And I'm just like, yeah, of course. It's like, well, it needs to be at least like 5,000 words. And I'm like, oh, my Ooh. God. So, yeah, it was that's a big huge one. thing. Yeah. And so that that's uh, actually got published this month. But that's how long they give you, you know, to, to work on it, to go through all the, the phases. And it's really unique. I, I th- I'd say for any business, if you get the opportunity, even though it's a lot of effort, um, it's a fantastic way to sort of establish yourself as, you know, a subject matter expert and, yeah. you know, build more trust and authority. Some some publications will actually get you into the Google Scholar library, like the, you know, like the journals. So oh, something cool. to, to think about. Um, let's break from Facebook video ads and let's, let's, well, let's kind of break them down a little bit, actually, um, yeah. and what they are and kind of how they work. Can you can you give us a little bit of an overview on 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 how that whole Facebook advertising works for video? Yeah, um, you know, it's it's pretty, pretty straightforward once you actually create the video. I think that's okay. obviously the hardest part um, is, is doing and the most expensive, the production yeah. and all that. Yeah. Editing, yeah. And I think audio. Oh, yeah, it's it's a pain. And and also, I think, you know, what we're seeing with a lot of our clients is just short selfie videos from their customers or clients are outperforming our you know, three to $5,000 like production videos. And I think there's a time, a time and a place like the production videos tend to perform better, maybe top of funnel where, you know, these testimonial video ads from customers and clients tend to perform better, you know, bottom funnel when someone's a lot closer to making a purchase or sell. Um, And so, yeah, I think, yeah, once, once you kind of have your, your idea, your storyboard, um, you know, there's, there's essentially three types of videos that um, we like to start with. And, you know, the first one's kind of just like a branded video. Here's, you know, kind of like you were saying, I think yeah. we're starting to see a shift in how that's done. It's it's not just all about here's what we do and we're awesome. It's more, more community driven, maybe more engagement driven, more educational. Um, which I think is, right. Yeah. And so... Yeah. So I think, I think that's definitely, you know, one area or, you know, definitely a good place to start. Um, 
I, I definitely lean towards even like, I don't know, you almost, I think back to that disruptive concept, just like record a video. And if that means you're doing it on an iPhone, your first video, yeah. great. Like just do it, see how it turns out. And, um, you know, if, and just learn from it, I think, and it could perform better than a production video, you know, at the end of the day as well. So I know, I know people appreciate authenticity and sometimes, yeah. sometimes expensive production ads, um, can resonate with customers as, Oh, this is a big company. It's going to cost a lot of money. But when it is smaller and it is a little bit more authentic, it feels like, hey, this this isn't going to cost me much, right? Oh, and it's unique in that billions of people probably haven't purchased it, so I'll have something somebody else might not. So yeah, yeah. I think I think that, like you said, depending on your audience, it could be a win there. So that's, those yeah. are what you called brand story ads. Yeah, yeah, you're just more more or less highlighting, you know, your your business and who you are, and you know, I think it's it's up to you, dependent on your brand guidelines, how professional you want that to look or if you're fine setting things aside i'm i'm definitely like our our chief sales officer he's definitely a lot more like the perfectionist where i'm the let's get it to 80 percent, launch it see how it does and then optimize that way and so i think there's a lot of different just like personalities within an organization and i think it's kind of up to you and your business and what what you want to do there but yeah that's what i would say kind of the first one the brand the branded one and I know the testimonial ads um, are kind of a big deal. I, I take a, a vitamin called Routine, R-O-O-T-I-N-E. And hmm. uh, it's a company basically where you do like a DNA test. And they, they send you these vitamins that are based on what your body's deficient on as opposed to just, you know, all the, all the great vitamins that, you know, you could be yeah. taking. It's based yeah. off what you need, which I thought was really neat. So after taking it for a few weeks, I noticed I had more energy. And I'm like, this is cool. So I did a little video testimonial from them. And then their, their marketing person comes back and is like, hey, could you record another one for us and, and you know, talk about this and talk about that? And I'm like, sure, I guess. So apparently, you know, they're, they're leveraging that as other brands are taking those yeah. testimonials and turning them into kind of social proof and assisting with some of their, their ad strategy. So it'll be really interesting to see how they use those, those videos. And, you know, I'm, I'm for sure going to ask, hey, if I'm doing you a favor, show me a little bit on the back end of what you're doing with it so I can you know, see what's been effective. You know, my, my competency lies in getting a, a page to show up in search results like Google or, you know, Google Maps. So this whole idea of, of audiences and, um, uh, and creative and, and social ads is sort of a, a, you know, a new area for me. So I'm super curious to see how that works. And you're, you're seeing testimonials be equally as effective? Yeah, yeah. We're, we've more moved like our testimonials and more framed it now as like, UGC, so user generated content is kind right. of like, and, and that's kind of like a buzzword now, I would say in the industry, right? Um, but yeah, we saw on, so we have a swimsuit, um, a women's like swimwear swimsuit company. Okay. And we were running YouTube ads for them and seeing a great, you know, CPA and just great top of funnel traffic. Our target just, men and watch your 70% CTR. <laughs> yeah yeah it was it was good but and swimsuit then, ads, that's a tough one i mean who wants to who wants to see swimsuit ads right you know i i can't i can't tell you how many people do or not but <laughs> yeah so that we we switched that to user generated content okay and we were able to drop the cpa by 90 percent. no and way so, yeah it was wild so we you know we went from a few dollars down to you know 
30, 40 cents. It was crazy. And so that's, those are the results, you know, we're definitely seeing. And I think this is very applicable. Like, you know, if you, even if you're like a local business, let's say, you know, you're a plumber, you go into um, a house and, you know, maybe a, a toilet's extremely clogged and a sink. I think just like, you know, maybe showing, highlighting your process and then getting a testimonial after of like, oh yeah, you know, I, I called XYZ plumbing and they were able, you know, to get this unclogged and fixed in, you know, three days or sorry, in 30 minutes while I was putting down like 10 bottles of Drano and couldn't get any like fixes, you know? So I think, I think it's very applicable across the board, um, to just get these user generated content testimonials or I think it's super relatable for customers for sure. Yeah. And then there's these event ads, right? We talked about the brand story ads, testimonial ads. What are, what are event ads? Yeah. So a lot of businesses use events to connect with their customers. So whether that's, you know, an anniversary event um, and they invite all their customers out or, you know, maybe that that's just part of your marketing is you run events um, to just grow brand awareness. Um, You know, this to us is just a, a spin on taking a very like, you know, more intimate, I guess, event or marketing um, channel and just adding video to it. So I, I think really this was more to highlight just adding adding video to any channel can be effective, even if it's an event and just trying to generate interest or yeah, coming to celebrate a milestone with your customers or whatever that may be. Um, just using video you know, we did the example example here is we we had a client who did like hip hop events and more like grassroots style. And, you know, it was more highlighting before a lot of like the artists. Okay. And and for us, what we did is more highlighted the experience and that included the artist. And so that's where we saw a massive decrease in our CPA and people wanting to go to these events because they related more with the experience where a lot of the artists were grassroots and not super yeah. common. And so, you know, that was just a great example we saw. I, no- I noticed that in the, um, uh, the EDM industry, right? I, I love EDM yeah. music when I'm working in the, in the evenings, even though I know anyone under 40 is like, no, you've, you had your, your <laughs> dance card taken away at 40. Um, but, uh, <laughs> But, but I noticed that like Tomorrowland and, and EDC, and if you look at some of their um, their ads and some of their content in social media, it's very yeah. experience driven. It's about the, yeah. the people and the, the stage and the audience and the, you know, the moments, you know, and I think that that moment style advertising, you know, really is, is, a, is a compelling message that, you know, gets people interested as opposed to your standard click here and a product picture or something, right? Yeah, um, exactly. For sure. Um, any new areas of emphasis with video Facebook ads or strategies that uh, are coming up as a result of the pandemic? You know, like um, businesses finally, as you know, they're finally seeing their doors open again. Have you seen a lot more emphasis in video? Yeah, definitely. I mean, for sure during the pandemic. And that that's where, you know, I would say there was a lot of like disruptive things happening because you couldn't have a film crew, right? Like you couldn't have people together during the pandemic. And so that's where, you know, it was cool, similar to, um, I just forgot the company, Root, the vitamin. A routine. 
routine. Mm-hmm. You know, similar similar to how they approached you. Hopefully, they offered some free you know vitamins to do some more videos and things. But you know, more or less, that's what a lot of our clients have done is started sending and more or less choreographing like videos. Um, there's a company called B-Roll. Uh, it's B-Roll.io. Okay. Um, they're not a client of ours, but they're a, a very cool company where you can put your entire like script on the screen. So as someone's like recording a selfie mm-hmm. of, let's say, unboxing your product, it kind of it gives them some prompts like, oh, talk about like the quality or, oh, you know, show show yourself wearing the product now, you know, so it's a cool way to just almost, you know, script out videos um, from user generated content. And so. Yeah, I would say, you know, to that previous point, we're just seeing a lot more user generated content. You know, I've talked about some of the performance there. It's a heck of um, a lot more affordable than hiring some of these influencers, I'm sure. I remember oh, yeah. uh, doing a little bit of influencer marketing for a Super Bowl commercial a few years back. And the, uh, what was it, Jake Paul and, and his group over there, $200,000 yeah. to have him mention the brand in a one minute clip. And I'm like, wow, $200,000 a minute. I'm doing something wrong with my life. (laughs) But, but that was, that was the reality because he had, you know, what, 3 million followers, subscribers or whatever, you know, the organic part of, of a mention um, that's non advertising related, but just sort of promoting something, um, you know, in a way that feels authentic uh, is something that all businesses, you know, want from their customers. So to get in front of 3 million people in a one minute clip, um, if you do that on Google ads, it's probably still going to cost you, you know, uh, at least a hundred thousand dollars or more, but, yeah. um, but yeah, I thought that was really fascinating. So you're right. If you can get your, 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 you don't know which of your customers is going to turn into a micro influencer or eventually even an influencer. So by, by, you know, spreading it out like that, um, there's a, there's a chance, it's a small chance, uh, but there's a chance you could be seen by potentially thousands of customers at no cost other than maybe a free product. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there is, there's definitely something to say about influencers and, you know, at that level, the, the Jake Paul's, Logan Paul's, KSI's, like, you know, those are, those are for sure like the, the new celebrities, right? I mean, hundreds of millions of subscribers, followers across all of their channels. And I mean, if you think about it too, at like a micro level, um, you know, I think every, just about every person has at least 50 followers that, you know, are, are more or less like loyal or a part of their tribe to some degree. Um, and so I think even, you know, micro influencers sharing things or just an everyday person can drive an impact. It's just a lot harder to manage, you know, at that point, you know, 500 micro influencers versus, you know, sending it to one person and executing that way. And so I think that's, that's definitely an interesting trend, you know, we're seeing in, kind of that influencer space of if you can manage that many micro influencers, your returns probably going to be a lot higher and a lot newer customers. And, you know, but the cost of the resource side to manage, it's probably going to, you know, be at least, you know, two resources or two full-time team members. At least. Yeah. Yeah. And those, those types of marketers aren't interns. Those are expensive team members. Yeah. Yeah. So, So it is, it is interesting just where, where things are going. So, so the hot topic of the day, and this is where people are going to get really ticked off that we waited to the end to talk <laughs> about it, is, is this whole thing that's on the radar with uh, Apple and Google bringing us into this whole 
cookie-less future. Um, yeah. Could you give our listeners come, kind of your working definition of how cookies currently work and, and you know, what's changing? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So yeah, a cookie is a, a piece of code that usually lives on a website, also in like apps um, that essentially allows a business to understand your behavior on the internet. Um, so, you know, Facebook, for example, is, is one of the more popular cookies. That one's considered like a third party cookie. And, and so what that means is Facebook is using your data to more or less build their business or their business model. And then you have first party cookies, and that would be like a Google Analytics where you have your own property, Google theoretically putting it in quotes for those listening, um, isn't using that data in Google AdWords. That's more for the customer, us business owners to use that data to make business decisions. And right. so, so that's how I would, I would describe a cookie is it just allows whoever has the cookie to understand and track, you know, across multiple websites. Um, your, yeah, all of your behaviors more or less. So sure. I think, I think one example too would be, and I, I know Amazon's doing a much better job of, of being able to use first party data more than anyone, but, um, you go to a website and a, a piece of JavaScript that's on the site kicks off and, and basically plants a little text file on your computer. And, right. you know, as you navigate through the website and as you, as you navigate anywhere, um, that information continues to be compiled on that little file on your computer. And um, and then in aggregate, the the sites will take all of that information across all their users to better understand, um, you know, what customers are looking for, what their interests are, um, and target them correctly. So if you visit a website and you go to, I don't know, maybe you like Rolex watches and you go to a Rolex Submariner page, that cookie is going to store that you like Rolex Submariners. And the next time you're surfing around the, the web, your Google ads is going to um, to know, hey, this this person um, looked at the the Rolex page because we, we found it in the cookie. So let's show them the, the Submariner ads since we know they have an interest in that and the cookie stored that information about them. It's it's interesting when I when I think about how much data is available in in those cookies that anybody could you know, crawl and navigate. So you could actually open one up on your computer. You can go to any YouTube tutorial and say, how do I look at what's in a, a cookie on my computer and, and walk through it and see exactly what they're storing about you in that, which is why a lot of people clear their cookies often because they're worried about privacy. But yeah. we're not going to have to worry about that as much anymore, right? Something's changing. What's what's going on with cookies? Yeah, so so Apple is, it. I mean, kind of is the one who started it, right? And pushing... Pushing privacy, you know, a lot of what they're doing on their you devices. You see those billboards right now. Everywhere you go, everyone sees the billboard with the person holding the phone, right? The iPhone yeah. saying privacy. And it's like, I think we get it, you know? Yeah, yeah it's true. They're, they're definitely pushing it. I mean, it's yeah. a definitely a hot button right now. Yep. Um, you know, and I think there's a lot of cultural events that have also led to this. Hmm. But yeah, Apple Apple's kind of led the charge. And now Google, I think, is committed to do it by 2023. So in you know, a year and a half, more or less, um, but to get rid of all third party tracking. So they're not removing like first party tracking, just because that doesn't track you across multiple websites. Yeah. So, you know, if you were to go to disruptiveadvertising.com, we would still have tracking of how many pages you visited on the site. 
but then we wouldn't have, you know, the benefit of understanding, you know, from Facebook or Google, the ads you're now seeing and different things like that. So it's just to simplify it. And as you're also seeing, users can still opt into tracking. And it's, it's pretty funny. I mean, just seeing a lot of people on Twitter now saying, um, you know, the worst thing about getting um, advertising is getting advertising without uh, these cookie recommendations, because yeah. now people are just seeing ads that aren't relevant to them at all. Like right. at least with a, a hey, Rolex. They ad. want they wanted privacy. So this is if, if you don't like seeing uh, if you're a man, and you don't like seeing an ad for, you know, some men's uh, Speedo swimsuit because it's not your thing. <laughs> Sorry, you, you said you didn't want cookies and now cookies you know, we're, we're helping at least give you ads that were related to things that you were interested in. And now yeah. you're going to get randomness. Yeah, Congratulations. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so, and, and who knows, like maybe, maybe eventually, because what Apple's doing is essentially like deploying their algorithm on everyone's phone. Yeah. And so that way your recommendation engine isn't lost, but Apple kind of has the liberty to do that just because they understand all the processing. And so, you know, there could, there could come a time where, Facebook and Google do the same thing where everything is processed and encrypted on your phone and then their algorithms, the one that's feeding it, but it's all encrypted. So, you know, I think that could be a future that does happen. Um, and you know, I, I don't, I don't understand computer processing to the level to understand what could happen there. So yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, lots of changes coming so far, we haven't seen, you know, a huge dip. Um, you know, anywhere from a three to 5% is typically what we're seeing people opt out. So it hasn't been, I mean, we were pretty nervous for a lot of our clients because they have built their businesses on Facebook advertising and Google advertising. Um, and so, you know, losing that would definitely hurt their businesses. Um, and I know Shopify is working on a solution. I mean, Facebook obviously is, this is a, you know, with Facebook hitting a trillion dollar market cap today, this is literally a trillion dollar problem for people to solve. So yeah, it's, be uh, interesting it's to see one step happens. back, two steps forward, I think. And we're going through the one step back part right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Agree. Which I think is healthy, which I do think is good. Like I'm definitely, you know, I, I use a VPN a lot. Like I think to some, to some points I value my privacy and, and almost to other points, it's almost like I'm like pot committed at this point. Like what's the, what's the purpose? And, you know, like Verizon is selling my triangulated data back to Facebook to understand my IP address and, you know, where I'm, where I'm traveling and where I'm at. So, you know, it just, it also is like all these companies, when you sign up for a rewards card at your local grocery store, they're using that data to then, you know, sell back to Facebook or other data people. So it, it's just very interesting you know, I, it just feels like a lot of things really aren't private anymore. And so it's like making a stand to me feels like something I want to do. And I do in some ways. And also, you know, just feels like I am pot committed at this point. Like, yeah, it's tough, to especially when we're it. digital marketers, right? We have, we look at the world a little bit differently than your average consumer. Um, yeah. I think, I think businesses have another dilemma to worry about. If, if you are a small business and you have a website, um, you've got to address this cookie issue, right? And you can put up a thing saying this site uses cookies, hit okay. But what if they don't hit okay, right? You, you've got to run something on your website, basically, that you're supposed to anyway. When somebody hits your website, no analytics are supposed to kick in yet. They have to hit uh, 
accept cookies. But the reality is almost every single website that has Google Analytics kicks Google Analytics in the moment they hit the website. They're already being tracked the second they hit the website. But users are supposed to not be tracked until they hit the okay, I, I accept. And then when that happens, you know, then they're supposed to be able to navigate the website and, and we can track their information. But if they click no, I don't think any websites, very few websites, have any sort of plugins or things connected to remove the tracking so that as they do navigate after clicking no, that that information isn't being tracked. And are there solutions for small businesses or, or plugins or services that they can uh, have their webmasters install so that the, the analytics actually does get removed if somebody opts out? Um, that seems to be a really frustrating conundrum for a lot of small businesses. What's, what's your take on it? Yeah, I was just thinking that's a that's a good billion dollar idea right there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we're we're lucky enough that at least you know personally with our business we use HubSpot and and we're awesome. you know they they auto essentially do that for you, which is nice. Um, I'm not sure, you know, on like the e-commerce front if Shopify has something similar already built in. I know you know sure. they're very if anyone can do it, they can. They're they're pretty amazing. Yeah, they really are. Um, and, you know, I, I would assume, you know, WordPress would probably have something, you know, and to be to be frank, like, I don't know, right? Like, I, I don't know the answer to that question. Um, I know there are solutions. Like I don't, I don't know there. the answer, but I'll have a blog post on it in a week. <laughs> check, <laughs> yeah. check disruptive advertising. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's a great content opportunity for sure. I'm sure there's a lot of, of different things being said, but there are very few actionable checklists for ways to address these things that aren't broad or drive them to really expensive solutions that small businesses can't afford. So I think yeah. I think there's a huge gap there that um, goes beyond just what we need to do. But, you know, creating solutions that that are drag and drop, you know, that don't um, I use the fun disrupt <laughs> disrupts our our page performance with all the Google updates that are happening, but at the same time, you know, give the user the uh, ability to actually opt out instead of just clicking OK or leave website. You know, so yeah. that's a that's a tough one for sure. Yeah. Um, so this is iOS uh, iOS fourteen, right? Is is the um uh, the update that removes um, some of the the cookies that uh, iPhones are tracking? Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Fourteen point five is yeah more it was the most recent update well i think they're actually on point seven now but yeah 14.5 is when they so yeah, when they which leads that. which leads us advertisers to a place where before we were trusting our marketers to use the data that we had access to to craft campaigns and targeting options within ads to our specifications and as as we start to get more constrained by privacy, we have to put our trust into you know Facebook and Google algorithms to do some of that 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 bidding and that targeting for us, uh, which is going to be a huge switch, I think, from an advertiser's mindset. The good part of that, the bad part, you know, that the step back is that we lose control over a lot of those options. The good part of it is because we don't have to think about those things anymore. We can put more time and energy into our ads, into our um, you know, our testimonials and stuff. I think there's there's a lot more, um, you know, emphasis that can be put into the the creative aspects now that we don't have as much control over the the finite targeting. 
And, you know, that that might be a win for businesses. And I think maybe that's the first of the two steps forward that, you know, we can look forward to as as advertisers. Yeah, uh, yeah, I would I would definitely agree with that, I think. Yeah, enhancing creative and I think honestly enhancing like UTM parameters and things yeah. in analytics and, you know, even leveraging now Facebook analytics, that's becoming more valuable as well, um, sure. just because that is considered first party, right? And so, yeah, I think I think those two approaches are are solid. Yep. And for those who haven't heard that term UTM, you could just do a quick Google search for my favorite phrase when I'm doing this is, is uh, uh, Google uh, UTM builder. And there's this cool little tool and you basically put in the web page you want to send the traffic to, you name the, the campaign that you're going to be using in, in ads or in social, you name the content, maybe it's add to with underscore blue button, um, you know, or testimonial three or whatever. Um, and you know, the medium that you're using is it's cost per click, is it email, you put those things in it generates a little URL for you and just pop that URL with all those other parameters that it added for you into your ads. And now when you go into your Google Analytics, you can actually go into campaigns and segment which campaign is performing, which network, which source, you know, which, uh, which medium, and you, you can build some really smart reporting to, to better understand your audience a little bit. So UTMs are great. Um, and I don't expect that's going to go anywhere unless at some point the, you know, the, advertising publishers decide to strip UTMs or something, which I hope they never do because then we lose, we lose everything. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think that's, that's something, you know, advertisers can, can play with for sure. All right. I got some lightning round questions for you. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right. What are your favorite tools as you're doing some of this paid social advertising? What are some of the tools that you like to, to use that make the job a little bit more streamlined? Yeah. Great question. Um, you know, I think one of the the top places I like to start is audience insights. And so okay. that way you can more or less get a lot of like demographic um, information, interest information, not as much behavior information now, um, since a lot of that got removed a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. um, but I think just, just a good way to understand your current customer. So you can upload a customer list into that and Facebook will essentially tell you like, who your average customer is. Uh, Google Analytics also offers a demographic section um, that provides similar data. That's very helpful. Know and then, audience. love it. Yeah, exactly. I, that's honestly where I always start. And then, literally, like call my top twenty customers and just get on a phone call with them and understand, you know, what's top of mind for them. What do you know? If it's B two B, it's more like. What are the industry trends you're paying attention to if it's sure. more? So that's business to business. And then if it's like e-commerce, it's like, what do you love about our product? What do you love about our competitor's product? You know, I think just really getting to know them and I think making it that I guess how I positioned it was very transactional. I like to actually like get to know them as well and like human to human, just be like a real person and you know, really so understand the best, the best tools are. then are going to be some that are within the, the interfaces of the advertising platforms and making phone calls to customers. You know, the, your phone is, is the instrument that, that drives some of the data that you won't get from platforms. I love that. Yeah. Um, what are, what are some places that people can go if they wanted to start learning about uh, paid social advertising? Would you recommend like LinkedIn learning? Is there a, a certain place if you had to start from scratch today, where would you go to, sort of master this whole um, area of advertising? 
Yeah. Um, you know, I, I would say at least for me, just doing it and failing was the quickest way to learn, but this was before there was any like info on it, you know? Um, and Facebook actually has a very good like blueprint program. So they call it Facebook blueprint and anyone can go and set up an account there. And I think you might have to set up a business manager, but it will walk you through all of how to do that. Um, and then you can just go through it yourself and they have, have it, you know, very simple working your way up to, you know, even our, our top marketing consultants are still going through, you know, the, the newer courses they're launching. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think just with all the changes, it's, it's helpful as well. CXL has some good trainings as well. Um, just around all digital marketing and, I think there's other places like Digital Marketing Institute and things like that. I've never personally done that, but sure. you know, I think, I think most of these places are pretty good. Nice. Who, who should we be following in your industry if we want to kind of keep up to date with some of these changes and some tips and who, who shares uh, information that, that helps us make informed decisions about our advertising that, that you would follow on social? You know, I, I subscribe to like the Facebook ads chat, the hashtag <laughs> on Twitter. Okay. And so, so that's a good follow just to get a diverse amount of people. And then there's like the PPC chat. Um, you know, there's, there's no one like coming to mind. I think it's, yeah, I don't, I mean, there are good, there are a lot of good people out there. I think more or less, I just see who's, who's saying what and commenting. A lot of them are like other agency owners or, you know, more consultants. Um, and so I just, you know, follow, followed the hashtag first and then the people that I resonated with or I liked their opinions and feedback, I guess, supporting that echo chamber of mine sure. is who I followed, but they, they seem to be helpful. Right on. And, and where do you see the future of uh, paid social going in, say, five years from now? Hmm. I... It's, it's hard not to be excited about some kind of augmented reality or virtual reality in five okay. years. I mean, that's a pretty, that's pretty far out there. Um, and then, you know, I think a lot of the kind of the stepping stones to that will be like Snapchat. They're definitely the ones investing the most into augmented reality. I think even more than like an Apple is, you know, even though they have their AR kit. Um, so I think they're, they're going to continue to grow, especially as that demographic continues to be more and more buyers. Um, and, you know, I would, I really do like podcast advertising right now um, and running that, you know, directly through like Spotify, for example, sure. I think is, is huge. Um, and I, I think untapped, I guess is what I should say. I think. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's what I would, and OTT. So that's going to be like your Hulu's, your YouTube. I yeah. don't know. I think, over I think kind of, top. yeah. yeah over cool. the top. So. Well, great. So if someone, if someone had questions for you about some of the stuff we talked about today or disruptive advertising or paid advertising, what's, what's the best way they can get in contact with you? Yeah. So you can find me, um, Saunders Road, S-A-U-N-D-E-R-S-C-H-R-O-E-D. Um, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Uh, that's kind of my URL and username. So if that's a medium or if you like email, um, saunder at disruptiveadvertising.com and more than happy to chat, run questions, 
um, do, do whatever we need to do there. Awesome. And you gave some great uh, reference points too. We'll put some links in the, um, uh, in the actual video too, for people who want to click on some of those lists, like the Forbes listing and some other stuff. So we'll make sure cool. everybody has that. This has been a lot of fun and um, I kind of want to dive into my business manager account now and start playing around a little bit, but um, thanks so much for spending time with us today. And um, uh, thanks everybody for listening to this episode. Any, any kind of final words for the uh, for folks listening? You know, I think, I think just kind of the theme is don't be, don't be afraid to fail and just get out and try and do and test. And I think, I just think every failure I've ever had in life has always brought learning. And so, <laughs> so try to minimize the, the amount of money or time investment into that failure. But I think, yeah, I think that's just what, what marketing to me is, is failing and learning and figuring out what actually works. I love it. We call that the grind, right? (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. And guys, we will see you on the next episode. 